Hello, and welcome to the Modern Medical Miracles Podcast. My name is Michael, and I'm currently a pre-med student at Utah Valley University. I love people, and talking to others about medicine and faith are a couple of my favorite topics. This podcast contains interesting medical stories, modern-day miracles in medicine, and an applicable scripture of the day. Please enjoy, and if you have a cool medical story, a modern-day miracle, or anything else to share, send me a message at medicalmiraclespodcast.com at gmail.com. Okay, today's story is similar to the one uh, we talked about the other day about the man who had uh, coronavirus and was uh, in a coma for a long time, was, you know, coming off of life support or suggested to come off of life support, but his wife uh, didn't let that happen and he ended up coming back. Um, so I'm going to read this story. It is in first person, um, but I'll just go ahead and go through it. It says, in 1998, when I was 49, I was rear-ended while driving my car along the Long Island Expressway. My school fractured and was pressing. My school was fractured and was pressing against my brain. And for 35 days, I was in a coma. Uh, while in the coma, I was given a battery of tests. Apparently, I flunked those tests because the hospital staff kept trying to get my husband to accept that I might be brain dead. Uh, He went ballistic when they suggested that he consider taking me off life support. Eight days after the accident, the neurosurgeon examined me. I appeared unresponsive, but when he asked me to open my eyes, I did. Then he asked me to show him two fingers. I have no recollection of this, but my husband tells me that after a few seconds and with a lot of effort... I held up two fingers. The whole place went nuts. The surgeon practically danced a jig, and to my my husband, my gesture was a victory V. Even though I was dazed and out of it for a few more weeks, he was convinced I'd recover completely one day. My first moment of awareness didn't occur until a month after the accident. Uh, So that's about three weeks after that experience with the surgeon. Um, It says, I woke up and announced, I have an appointment. I've been on my way home uh, from one, or been on my way to one when the crash had occurred. I didn't remember the accident at all. I did, however, remember my husband. When I asked about our two sons, who were 12 and 5 at the time, he told me that one had just come to visit, and I had already forgotten. That kind of memory loss was only one of my problems. I had been a busy dentist, but now I was easily confused. People would tell me things and I'd forget or get hopelessly mixed up. There was a disconnect between my mind and my mouth. I struggled to get out the words I wanted to say, and the part of my brain that controls balance was damaged, so I couldn't stand up easily. I spent the next three years learning to speak and walk again. It was discouraging at times, but every bit of progress I made inspired me to push myself further. A year after the accident, my physical therapist said, You better get used to the wheelchair because that's where you'll be spending the rest of your life. She didn't say it unkindly, she was just being realistic, but a voice inside me screamed no. Shortly thereafter, I progressed to a walker. Now I use a cane only when I'm on familiar terrain. Today I can speak almost as well as I used to, and I'm stronger than I ever was. I work out with a trainer twice a week, lifting weights and doing cardiovascular exercise such as step aerobics. One of my greatest triumphs is that I can drive again. In New York, coma victims must retake their driving test. I passed mine with flying colors, and I love the freedom it brings me. 
Though I am no longer a practicing dentist, I've taught radiology to, to dental students and I'm writing a memoir about my experience. Not bad for somebody who was supposedly brain dead. And so the story, it was interesting to me. Uh, it made me think a little bit about my um, great-grandfather. He, when I was serving my mission um, in Alabama, he had a stroke um, pretty soon before I got home. Um, and so when I got home and, and was able to go and visit with him, and I was at school um, at Arizona State, which is uh, maybe about five minutes from where, where he and my great-grandmother live, I'd go over and visit a lot. And he told me about all of the activities he was supposed to do for his physical therapy to kind of regain um, mobility and to get where he was. And he was obviously very frustrated with uh, all of the things that he had to do. But he definitely kept at it. Um, and I think the important part of this story is the miracle I don't think happened um, when she woke up from the coma. Uh, I think the miracle happened after, you know, the three years that she put in the effort. After the three years, she was able to uh, learn to speak and walk again like she had before the accident. She got her, her driver's license back and all of this. Um, but it only came after the effort that she put in. And it makes me think of uh, a scripture or just the principle of the fact that the Lord and he loves effort. He loves when we put in the effort. One of my favorite stories that Christ teaches uh, comes from Luke chapter 9. And it says this uh, down uh, in verse 57 to the end. So then it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but first let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So in first reading through that, it it honestly seems really harsh um, and of, of Christ to, to tell these people who want to follow him, who wants to obey um, his commandments, who want to do what he's doing. It seems pretty harsh for him to say, um, you can't, essentially. Um, but what he's illustrating is the cost of discipleship. What it costs to, to follow Christ is effort. Um, and it's not just a one-time thing. It's not uh, you uh, wake up one day uh, from your coma that you've been in uh, and you do physical therapy for a day or you, know, you do physical therapy for uh, a week. It, it takes years. And it honestly takes a lifetime to continue to work and get back to where you were maybe before an accident happened. And I think that extends beyond uh, physical things too. Uh, whether we get in a car crash like that woman or we have a stroke like my great-grandfather or uh, we find ourselves uh, significantly mentally ill or depressed or anxious about something, 
uh, it then from that point takes effort the rest of our lives to overcome those challenges to get back to where we were to get back to where we used to be and the same thing goes uh, with our faith with our belief when i originally started the this podcast i had all sorts of ideas about how i was going to uh, talk about Christ and faith and discipleship. Um, I ended up going a different route with it, obviously. But when I wanted to do that, I wanted it to be a place where everyone can come, whether or not you believed in Christ or whether you didn't believe in God in general, whether you just had hope for the universe, whatever it was, I wanted people's faith and belief and hope to increase from it. And so I think this is the same. Uh, Even if you don't believe in Christ, if you don't read or believe in the Bible, uh, the principle of effort can be applied to whatever you're talking about. Um, The world is a pretty scary place when you think about it. There's lots of people who um, see the world as uh, a negative place, a bad place. Um, Me and my wife are expecting our first child, and it's kind of a scary thought. Uh, thinking about bringing a child into the world um, with the state of the world that it's at. But there's good in the world too. And that's ultimately, I think, one of the purposes of sharing these these kinds of stories and bringing in scripture is seeing the, the good that happens in the world because it is there. Uh, we just have to uh, put in the effort, you could say, to find it. Um, and more importantly, put in the effort to to be it, to be that good. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you have a cool medical story, a modern day miracle, or anything else to share, send me a message at medicalmiraclespodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.